0: Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. This time we're going to turn the remainder of our meeting over to our own Brother Billy Skelton for the message that the Lord has laid on his heart today. John chapter 15. The scripture reading this morning was John 15, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. We're going to look at the, that section of what's termed in, at times the Jesus' farewell address to the disciples or the upper room ministry. It starts in John chapter 13, and it runs through chapter number 17. <clears throat> now, you won't see in John 13 the r- words, upper room. Uh, in John 13, it just talks about the, uh, before the feast of the Passover, supper being ended. You'd have to look back into Mark chapter 14, where he gives that account, where he sends the disciples to ready the supper that he was going to have. You might recall he, he sent them in. He said, now you're going to look for a man carrying a water pitcher. Oh, um, well, I guess I should start. The, yeah. Is it the, the arrows, Andy? Yeah, but turn it on. Okay, yeah, turn it on first. The other thing I'll forget. Um, the water pitcher, and you're going to uh, follow them. He says, uh, go into the city. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. Uh, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him wherever he goes in. Say to the master of the house, teacher The teacher said, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There, make ready for me. So there's where we, why they come sometimes refer to that as the upper room discourse or upper room uh, ministry. And John's gospel records that long uh, section, and in chapter 14, as we're leading into um, 15, Jesus talks about his departure. Remember at the beginning, "Let not your heart be troubled." He says, "I will go again uh, and prepare a place for you. And if I if I go, I'll come. Sorry, if I, if I go, I will come again and receive you unto my house, myself, that where I am, there you may be also." He also tells them of the coming of the Holy Spirit um, later on in that chapter. And then as you get to the very end of chapter 14, in the last verse, Jesus says in the last sentence recorded, Arise, let us go from here. So we don't know the route that they take. At least I don't find that in Scripture. But we do know where they ended up. They ended up in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you look at the end of this John's account of it, it would be the beginning of chapter 18, uh, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with the disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, with which he or sorry which he and his disciples had entered. And there again, if you look at Mark's account of that, it, it actually tells you that the name of the garden, Mark 14, 26, and 32. Should have did these in sword drill fashion. Mark 14. We read in verse 26. And they had sung, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then down in verse 32, they come to the place which was named Gethsemane. And uh, he said to his disciples, sit here. While I pray. So, as Jesus is walking with the disciples, he spent some time explaining to them the dynamic or the relationship that they would have with him once he was gone. You see, they weren't prepared for that. Up, up probably right until the time they took him, they were still anticipating that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to rule as the prophets had wrote, and rule he will. But that was not the mission his first time coming. And so we see in John 15 a very vivid, powerful illustration he gives of the vine and the branches, and explaining how this relationship will work. And just as branches from a vine derive their life, and that's how they are fruitful, that's how that they uh, bear fruit. Uh, Jesus uh, likens that, that, that the branches can only bear fruit if they abide in the vine. So that the only way that they or any follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be able to glorify the Father through bearing fruit is if we are connected to or abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see in chapter 15, he prepares his disciples for his death and departure by instructing them about their calling and their mission as his disciples. And he wants to emphasize their absolute dependence on him. And you'll see in the illustration that he gives of the vine and the branch, how the branches, if they're not connected to the vine, they die. There's, there's nothing they can do. They can't bear fruit. Um, so there's he wants them to understand uh, the, the, their absolute dependence on him, a very rich metaphor. We see in uh, verse number one, Jesus says, I am the vine. And he says, uh, we see later that the followers, the disciples, are the branches. That's what we would fall under, followers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. My father, he said, is uh, the vine dresser. there in verse 1, the gardener who tends the branches. He's the one who, we read in verse 2, he prunes the fruitful branches so that they will bear more fruit. And he takes away, or sometimes that word's translated, lifts up the unfruitful branches. So this fruit that we bear... um, would include both that uh, the fruit of the spirit, the transformation in our lives, the things that should be noted. Will I, will I demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Also, the fruit we sometimes think of is the uh, the work of seeing souls won, uh, our testifying of what Jesus's work has done in our own life, and as a result of that, we would see souls. Come to Christ. This true would be a part of being fruitful. Um, and the relationship between the follower of Jesus and the Lord should result in bearing fruit. In verses four and five, he says, "Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So what we want to try to look at this morning is what does it mean to abide? And I would think that there would be three things that are implied by that term abide. One would be our connection with Jesus. One would be our dependence um, on Jesus. And the last would be our continuance with Jesus. Now, I don't think of these as steps, but as something that's interwoven uh, aspects of abiding. So let's look at the first one, our connection with Jesus. We read in verse four, abide in me and I and you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide with me. So, first of all, it means that we are some and we are connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what we would sometimes hear union with Christ. Um, we are uh, children of the Lord, we are uh, a part of Him. We read in John um, in 1 John chapter 2 in verse 5 of our connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. And also in chapter 4, verse 13 of that same book, by this, we know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us his spirits. And the connection between us and the Lord Jesus Christ is a mutual connection. In other words, we abide in him, but he also abides in us. He says in verse number 4, abide in me, in chapter 15, verse 4, abide in me and I abide in you. If there is no connection, there's no life. There's no fruit. There's no, there's no way for us to, to, to bear any, anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the second is the dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. Abiding in Him uh, implies that we are dependent. Um, he says there at the end of verse 5, For without me, you can do nothing. If I'm not abiding in Christ, there's nothing that will result. I have to depend on Him. Now, this, a- this aspect is not like the connection. The connection, I am in Christ, Christ is in me. Dependence isn't that way. I depend on Jesus Jesus is, is not dependent on me. The vine is not dependent on the branches, uh, but the branches depend on the vine for their, uh, for their life. Uh, they, they, they derive their power, their life from the vine. And without the vine, the branch is useless, lifeless, powerless. And so we are as believers. We're completely dependent on the Lord Jesus for everything that counts as spiritual fruit. I want to make sure that we understand that too. These are things we're talking about that have an eternal and lasting value because you might say, well, Billy, there's lots that I can do without Jesus, right? I get up every day and I go to work and I do this and I do that. But if it's going to be something that's going to result in fruit that's going to be of eternal value, that's going to be something that's done through Jesus. That's not going to be done in and of myself. So when he says, I can do nothing, well, I can do nothing of eternal value that's going to give that fruit. The um, third we mentioned is the continuance with the Lord Jesus. Uh, abiding, that word, if you look at the meaning of it, abide means to remain or to stay or to continue. It's the same word that we see the disciples in, in the first chapter of the book of John um, when they first encountered Jesus and they asked him, Where are you staying? They wanted to know where, he was, where his residence was. And that word staying is the same word as the word abide in John 15. Abiding means reside, continue, stay, and remain. This shows us another aspect of abiding in Christ. Uh, and abiding in Jesus is to remain in Jesus. Simply means that we go on trusting him, we keep on depending, and that we never stop believing. To abide in Jesus is to persevere in Jesus and his teaching. When Jesus, in chapter 8 of John, back just a few pages, it's what he's talking about in chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That abide in me, continue, stay with, continue with me. So in summary, to abide in the vine means to be first united with Christ and then to be, that's our connection, and to rely on Jesus, that's our dependence, and then to remain in Jesus, that's our continuance. So that leads us to another question, and that is this. Um, Who is this for? So in one sense... The words that Jesus would speak in chapter 15 of, of, of John seem to indicate it's an all or nothing. In other words, if I abide in Him, I am His disciple. If I don't abide in Him, I am not His disciple, sort of a marker. So to be, if be a believer would be to abide. But think this through now. On the other hand, that word abide in verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me. It's a command. He's telling the disciples something they're supposed to do. Um, He says in verse number 9 as well, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So, it's something that we're told to do. Um, So, is it true of all believers? Does it require something additional, something special? Do I have to have some experience that um, ushers me into a higher relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus? Um, do, Do we end up having two sets of Christians the haves? and the have-nots, uh, ordinary Christians who believe but don't abide, and then the extraordinary Christians who believe and abide. So they're a different group. Well, think of it this way instead of that way. It's more like our faith. There are. It's a reality, it's true, of every Christian. But we also experience growth by degrees. You perhaps have prayed for a, a younger person, or even an older person, that they would grow in their faith. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean they become more saved? Well, no. What we're looking for is that there would be a deeper understanding of the Lord Jesus, a deeper appreciation for who He is, a a, a greater grasp of God's Word, to be able to give an account for the hope that lies within them. There are stages. There's growth. Some would call it a journey that we're on, Getting, drawing closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. The same could be said about abiding in it. All Christians abide in Jesus. Now, how close are you abiding? Um, If you believe in Jesus, you're in Him. Make no mistake. We are united uh, in Him. We're connected to the life-giving branch. So no matter where we are on that journey, we can experience the reality of this connection to the Lord Jesus more and more. But he does speak of uh, being more fruitful. It says in verse number 2, not only does he want us to bear fruit, he says um, he would prune us that we would bear more fruit. And then down in verse 8, my fathers glorified that you bear much fruit. So we can enjoy the Lord Jesus. Um, That's why he says there in verse number 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. But not only that, he says, and that your joy may be full. He not only wants us to have joy, he wants us to have full joy. And we can be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray sometimes, Lord, conform us to the image of your Son to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We all have a union with Christ. But all believers can also have communion, communion in a greater uh, or lesser degree. So what does then it mean to abide? Well, the Lord Jesus, Well, um, oh, hang on, let's see. If, if, if abiding in Jesus <laughs> involves ongoing daily dependence on them, what would that look like? And Jesus tells us in verses uh, 7, then again in 9 and 10 uh, of that chapter. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Then in verse 9 and 10. um, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he further explains this, this term, abiding. In verse 10 he does, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Also back in 1 John chapter 3, Now he, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. So I'd like to look at four practical things in the last few moments. Um, practical things noted in abiding in Christ. The first one would be that it would take a commitment. If I'm going to abide, I need to be able to abandon all else. I need to give the Lord Jesus first place. We read in Colossians chapter 1, and verse 18, that in all things He... Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, might have preeminence, giving God the first place in my life. Secondly, uh, well, I'm one ahead. I won the head. I want to wait on that one, so back up one. Um, continuous. What am I doing to abide in Christ? I'm going to continue in the things that I've done that draw me close to the Lord. Think of the beginning of the church in the book of Acts, chapter 2. He says, of the the, uh, disciples, of the followers, in chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they were being taught more and more about the Lord Jesus Christ. They also gathered for breaking of bread, for fellowship, for prayer, but they continued on in this, that they were committed to it. And also, um, if they fail, as we often will, we need to be able to get back up. We need to be able to continue uh, along our way. Sometimes we find out a path that works when we're committed to uh, just walking with the Lord, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we find ourselves on an unproductive path. If you find yourself on that situation, then change it. Sometimes we're prone, this has always worked for me in the past, and I'm going to keep on doing it. But if it's not producing, we need to change. I think of the illustration that's given of a Mouse that was being tested in a maze, he was put at the head of a maze, and a piece of cheese was put at another end. And by trial and error, the mouse eventually found his way to the cheese. So much so that each time they let him go, he had memorized the path to the cheese until the day they moved it. And they moved it to a different spot. What did the mouse do? He went back to the spot that he thought the cheese was in. But then he backtracked and eventually, using his senses, found and memorized the path to the new place. He found uh, a way to get to the goal. And that's kind of unlike us, right? We end up being a bit more stubborn and we don't want to change the ways of the paths we found. But if they're unproductive, it would be good to do so. Another thing to do is our communion uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ to remember that we are linked to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 12, in verses 48 through 50, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, he says, these, my father, my brother, my sister, that's when he's being asked to come outside. His mom is calling for him, and he looks at the disciples, the followers, and he claims, these are my family. These are the ones that are my followers. We're linked to the Lord Jesus Christ. We we'll also remind ourselves that we're linked to one another. And although I mentioned earlier that the vine does not need the branches, in one sense it does. And that's, we uses them as ambassadors, right? The Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, where Paul would say, now then we, speaking of the followers of the Lord, are ambassadors for Christ, as though we were pleading through, uh, or God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So we have that relationship, not only with God, but with others. And with the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the uh, good illustrations I, I like to use is that of a glove and a hand. The glove, that's us. The hand that guides it, that's Christ. If we allow Him and we are in that relationship, He can do with us as He chooses. We are being used of the Lord Jesus Christ in communion with Him. A third thing is communication. It's important that we find time to communicate and communicate in a way that's effective. Uh, It's essential. Sometimes you perhaps have been on a cell phone call. I often. When I'm on my cell phone, if I'm driving, I find that either because of where I am or the person I'm talking to is, we have a bad connection, and it's very difficult to get the whole gist of what they're trying to tell me uh, in the conversation. It's important that both sides of the conversation are heard. So if I'm going to be uh, abiding in Christ, I need to have a a good way of communicating with the Lord Jesus Christ. One way you can do that is to set aside a time that you uh, read God's word and pray that's two- way street. If I read his word, I give him a chance to speak to me. If I pray, I give him a chance uh, I, I'm given a chance to speak to him. We refer to that at least in some circles as having devotions and um, we keep the lines of communication open and I would encourage you if you're going to do that to try and be um, organized when you do so don't just say, well, I think I will do that this morning, and then it it doesn't really work out. Uh, I didn't have time, or I didn't have my reading glasses, or I didn't have something else. Something interrupt me. Be organized when you do so. It reminds me of a story. When I was a freshman in college, I recall an instance where I was walking through the campus with another freshman, and the friend of mine stubbed his toes. We were walking, and it didn't look bad, but I said, maybe we should go to the infirmary to get it checked out, and my friend agreed. So we got to the infirmary, we got to the clinic. The only directions were there were two doors at the front that said serious and non serious. Well, in contemplating the injury, we thought, well, it's not serious, so we walked through the door that said non serious. We walked down the hallway, we took a right, we came to another set of doors. The door said trauma or illness. Well, stub toe's not an illness, so we picked the door that said trauma. We went down another hall, took a left, we came to a door that's two more doors. These doors said bleeding and non-bleeding. We looked down by this time and it had stopped bleeding so we went through the door that said non-bleeding. We found ourselves back out on the campus. We didn't see a doctor that day but it was a very organized setup that they had It accomplished the goal that they had and you know sometimes we have to be that way if we're going to be um, in a place the kids, know, the kids know like in my house is a place where dad does his devotions. There's things that are set there and um, I do find I can't do it at a time when everybody's up. I've got to do it when nobody's around, right? Because the only time they're going to have any time uh, alone with the Lord is to uh, set up a time, be organized about it. The other thing is, too, is to be sincere. <coughs> Don't rush through it. I can recall many times, especially in younger years, very much in a hurry and even, you know, trying to pray going out the door. I'm trying to remember what's on that page in the missionary prayer handbook and, and rushing out. That's not very sincere. Uh, that would be the conversation that you know how you feel if someone's talking to you, and as they're talking, and they're doing this. They're not, they're not into the conversation. So why would I do that with my Heavenly Father? Be sincere when I'm communicating with Him. The last would be cutting. The last would be cutting. Cutting. Wild vines, it must be controlled. He says in John 15, too, that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, there be more fruit. If you've got things that are not working in your life, Cut them out. Better for you to do it than for the Lord to do it, right? If these are things that are habits or, or, or just something that's starting up a, a wild vine, doesn't need to be attached to you. Cut that loose. I think about this. Um, now, it's much more prevalent in the, in the digital world. Um, sometimes if you take a picture of somebody or something, you think, oh, that is so precious, that particular look. However, in the background, something is that you didn't need. Ah they have this option called crop. So you right-click, you click crop, and you f- focus in on the part of the picture that you want people to see. Then you can send that to your, to your friends, look at this. And that kind of needs to be the way that we are. There are lots of things about us that are not very beneficial to the Lord Jesus Christ, but the things that are, that's, I, I want to get those in focus. And I want to uh, make sure that I'm cutting, cut out the things that are not going to be productive for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we will conclude with that and just say, um, abiding in Christ, to put it simply, abiding in Jesus doesn't require advancing beyond the gospel to something else. It doesn't demand some type of crisis or mystical experience. It just means keeping the words of Jesus in our hearts and minds so that they're renewing and and reviving us, shaping and sanctifying us, filling and forming us. And it means keeping ourselves in His infinite, enduring, sin-bearing, heart-conquering, life-giving love. Let's go ahead and close then in a word of prayer. Father, thank You again for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank You that we that know that the Lord Jesus Christ can uh, uh, take this relationship that we have as we abide in Him, remembering our dependence upon Him, and Father, we would continue in that relationship, <coughs> draw ever closer... As uh, as your spirit enables, Father, we pray for each of the families here represented. Ask your blessing on them as they head to their homes in safety now. In Jesus' name, amen.